Hey, what's going on, everybody? Like, thank you all for tuning into the show. Got my crew with me, Darnell and Tyler. I'm Trey, and we're coming your way with the 39th edition of the Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. First thing we're about to get into is the NBA. Uh, we have a little news that have uh, has come out this week. Uh, we're about to start off with Chris Bosh, um, and he's having trouble uh, medical issues, supposedly, um, with the Heat. So, uh, what do you guys think about this current situation with him? Probably not playing for the Miami Heat again, uh, according to some news from uh, Mr. O'Reilly. Well, according to some sources, he may never play again. Yeah. You know, it's it's just very unfortunate you know it seems like Chris Bosh still has a handful of years left in the league but you know health should be first and foremost really in every athlete's life if if you find yourself at too high of a risk you really need to consider stepping away and being serious about it Um, I think the last thing we want to see is for Chris Bosh or anybody to you know collapse on the court and potentially die there Uh, you know I think everybody uh, has seen that 30 for 30 without bias where he basically died right there on the court. Uh, you know, no, nobody ever wants to see anything like that happen. And, you know, if, if Chris Bosch actually has, uh, you know, the potential to not play again, maybe he should take a series and step away. I feel like he can still have a very successful professional career in a front office somewhere, you know, potentially as an assistant coach, you know, I, I feel like possibilities are still endless for him. You know, he's, he's a smart guy. He's a, he's a well-educated guy, uh, you know, just very knowledgeable of the game. And, you know, I, I think he can look back at his career, you know, won the championship a couple times, was a solid player in Toronto and Miami. And, you know, I don't think he has anything to frown on if he chooses to step away. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's a tough situation. I see both sides. Uh, Pryor's been, I mean, not Pryor, I'm sorry. Uh, Bosch has been, <laughs> we were talking about this earlier, him earlier. Sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, but Bosch, he's been, uh, He's been working hard, trying to get back on the court. Uh, he's been trying to keep himself in shape. I assume he's been working with his doctors, taking his blood thinners and stuff to uh, take down this clotting issue. Uh, so, I mean, you, you're rooting for him to be able to get back on the court because it would be an awesome story. But then you also look at it from the Heat's point of view. I don't know if it's a business decision, liability decision, or if they're just truly worried about him. But uh, – their doctors aren't clearing them, so you know you got to understand them saying, "Hey, we we can't put you on the court if you can't clear a physical." So it, it's it's tough to hear. Uh, it looks like at at best, probably the Bosch is going to be with another team if somebody feels like taking a chance on allowing him to play uh, on blood thinners and you know risking him possibly getting a bad, taking a bad hit and a cut and bleeding out, uh, to put it bluntly. But, uh, you know, it's just tough. Like, no, he hasn't been with the Heat his whole career, but that's where he's done his winning. He's been a big part of that franchise. Uh, it's tough to see. Uh, and going with what Ty said, even if he doesn't play, he's going to have a future. Uh, he's a very eloquent guy, smart. Uh, he, he's done the rounds on ESPN, 
uh, you know, on the shows and seems like he would be a fit as an analyst and would work out well with that. And he seems to have a smart business mind. Uh, I just hope something works out well for him. Yeah. And, you know, and I think to top it all off, I think everybody can agree. Chris Bosch is a likable guy. He's a respectable guy, a stand up guy. You know, you never heard too much about him off the court. It was all on the court. Uh, you know, just, you know, he, he just seems like, you know, a kind of guy that can get along in any kind of an environment. He, you know, he'll, he'll find something in common with everybody. So, you know, it, he, he just is one of those likable guys that nobody has, you know, anything bad to say about. And I, you know, I, I would agree. I can, I can see him being an analyst somewhere or, you know, a sideline reporter, analyst type, uh, you know, he, he, he'll find something. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the kind of guy he is. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, both of you guys, uh, both of your assessments. Um, kind of like when I first heard this, the uh, first thing that came up to my head, I was thinking alongside with Darnell, uh, was this, you know, a business issue with the Heat? Because I believe last year, um, I believe his, like his actual doctor cleared him to play, but I think it was the uh, Miami Heat team doctors that kind of withheld him from playing. Yeah, um, I believe. Yeah, so mm-hmm. you yeah, know, this right. kind of like makes it me yeah think if it's more of a business decision than actual, you know, just let him go out there and play type of thing. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, Bosch, you know, he needs to really take his um, health in line. Um, if the doctors tr- truly cleared him to play. And uh, he can go out there and do it. You know, I have no problem with him uh, following, uh, you, you know, continue to follow his dreams um, at all. Um, but, you know, if the Miami Heat, you know, if they feel, uh, you know, this isn't the first time he's had a blood clot issue. Um, if they feel, you know, this is uh, too risky for them, you know, I can understand that, too. Um, I just hope that, you know, both parties can come to an agreement, you know, and get everything um just settled. Um, so, you know, Bosch, if he needs to go play anywhere else, um, he's fully healthy and he can do that. Uh, he can go for it. But, you know, yeah, if Miami doesn't want to take that risk or whatever, you know, I can understand that um, either way. So, you know, just like I said, um, you know, he really needs to just put his health uh, first. And, you know, whatever decision he makes, um, just hopefully he's doing the right thing. Anything else on Chris Bosch, guys? No. All right. Um, next thing we're about to get into was uh, Kevin Garnett. Uh, he reached a buyout agreement with the Timberwolves and retired. Um, what went through you guys' minds the first thing, first time you heard it? I mean, no, no shade to him, but it was just like, yeah, it, it was, it was time to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's not. The KG we all remember anymore. Uh, he really didn't put up any kind of numbers of memes last year. Uh, it was a nice story for him coming back to the Timberwolves, you know, finishing where he started. So that's that's a cool story. But but yeah, his his days in all, as an All Star were pretty far behind him. So I mean, it, it was a good decision. Uh, glad it was a mutual decision and. Uh, like I say, he's going out where through the door he came in through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess to build on top of that point, some some people, it, like like you said, it, it was just time. 
some people just kind of linger around in the league and you just kind of wonder when they're going to retire. And I felt like it kind of got to that point with Kevin Garnett a little bit. But, you know, I think the the feel-good part of the story is, like you said, you know, he comes back to the Timberwolves and retires as a Timberwolf where he started, where he had a lot of success in his career. Now, granted, he won his uh, title in Boston, but his days in Minnesota are what he's remembered for. I, I think, you know, the young dominant KG was, was there in Minnesota. And I felt like when he, when he went back to the Timberwolves, everybody kind of knew this is going to be it. Uh, I think if, if you thought he was going to still stick around for a long time, you're probably lying to yourself. Uh, I, I know when he went back to Minnesota, I said, all right, the days are numbered. You know, it was just kind of an obvious thing when, someone who was with an organization for so many years goes back. You're always wondering, is, is this going to be it? Are we getting close? Now we have LeBron who did the same thing, but LeBron still has years. He has years on him still, but I don't see him going anywhere else. Um, so with, with Kevin Garnett, you know, just another one of the greats in my lifetime to take a seat and realize that this is it for him. So, Kevin Garnett had a good career. I think one of my most memorable moments of him is uh, when he won the title with Boston. And, anything you know, is possible. Yeah, screaming into the <laughs> microphone, anything <laughs> is possible. But, I mean, it was it was just one of those moments. You know, it was it was candid. It was it was KG being KG and, you know, just, you know, one of the players in my lifetime that everybody, you know, was just waiting to win a title. And, you know, did it with the Boston three party and he, he has one on his record. So uh, I guess the next step for him would be hall of fame if he gets voted into it. And uh, only time will tell that. Yeah. Well, I, I believe he's going to get voted in there. So, uh, mm-hmm. dude's and an abs- yeah, absolute beast. Um, really going to miss KG, man. He's one of the guys, um, in the nineties that, Got me interested in the game. I just love playing him play, watching him play, um, and just seeing him just go out on the court. Uh, you know, I believe he was a guy that was all bark, no bite. Um, he was a guy that loved to trash talk um, and just go out there and get in people's faces in the game. But, you know, he always went out there to play, you know, get, get mad rebounds, uh, get post up. And he was just a fun player to watch. And I just absolutely love the guy's energy. So he's going to be missed, man. There's not going to never ever be another KG out there on that court. So uh, it was just an absolute pleasure to watch that guy play um, through the years he's been in the NBA. I think he's the um, – looking at the total uh, amount of money made, I think he's the richest um, NBA player of all time based on contracts. Um, so the guy's just a beast, man. He, he definitely earned the money. He was just – Absolutely amazing to watch. Yeah, just side note, like thinking about it, you guys brought up Hall of Fame. Like that class will be KG, Tim Duncan, Kobe mm-hmm. Bryant. Yeah. Who who gives the the speech last? <laughs> they all speak at one time. <laughs> I mean, there, there's really no other fair way to do it with those three. Yeah, just, you know. But to give a serious answer, I bet Kobe would go last there. 
yeah, to Kobe give a serious would, answer. Kobe would probably close it out because, I mean, Duncan would probably just walk up and say thank you and walk back off. Yeah, yeah he's, so. he's, he's too, <laughs> he's too uh, respectful of a guy. Yeah. But, yeah, as long as there's no Mamba out, I'll be happy. Yeah. But that's the only thing I I hope he keeps that one in the Staples Center. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were talking, uh, you know, we're about to get, if you guys don't have anything else to say, uh, about KG. Uh, we were talking about, you know, Paul Pierce is next, but there's another person mm-hmm. that's uh, retired too. Uh, that was Mo Williams uh, this oh. week uh, for the Cavaliers. So, uh, three players that we heard about that were going to retire. Uh, so, um, yeah. thought us about the whole Paul Pierce and, you know, Mo Williams, if you got anything to say about him. Yeah, and, and just to add, uh, Paul Pierce is going to retire after this next season. So yeah. he, he'll kind of get a send-off party, too. I, I don't think it'll be to the level Kobe got or uh, Mariano Rivera or David Ortiz is getting. I don't think it's going to be that level of a send-off. But, you know, Paul Pierce is very respected around the NBA, very liked. And once again, just another player where we're going to get to watch him for a year and just kind of see what happens. Um, just, he was, I would have preferred him to be a Celtic his whole career. And I wonder if he wishes he stayed there now that the team they've kind of assembled over the last few years. But, uh, I, you know, Paul, Paul Pierce, just the staple of the Celtics. To me, he is, you know, the Celtics of my lifetime since I didn't get to see Larry Bird or uh, Mikhail or any of them. So, you know, Paul Pierce was you know, Mr. Celtic for me, and uh, just once again, another good player in my lifetime, another, really one of the other great players so far in my lifetime, Uh, you know, I'm kind of thrown around great really easily here, but in my lifetime, Paul Pierce is probably in the top 15 in my lifetime, so, you know, it's just one of those situations where somebody else is ready to take an exit, and you know, you can't really blame a guy for choosing to walk away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Paul Pierce was a pretty great talent for his time. I mean, yeah. he, he has the oldest of old man games on the court. Like, he, he was never exciting to watch, but he's always a smart player. Yeah, he, he hit big baskets. Uh, and, you know, he, he, he got himself a ring, too, so... Yeah. I mean, really can't knock what he's done. I mean, he, he's not uh, an elite player like he used to be. I mean, same with KG. He still has more in the tank than KG and would probably help more teams out uh, wherever he went. But, you know, he he's making that conscious decision. He I don't think he's, there's anything he has to accomplish or that he's leaving on the table. So, I mean... I think it's good for him to get one more good year in, you know, beef, beef up his resume a little bit more to try to help his chances for uh, the Hall. Now, because you guys see, um, like, any way of form with Paul Pierce, he possibly goes back to the um, Celtics at all for, like, a little trade or anything from uh, finish the season off at all, or? That would be interesting because I don't know if a trade would necessarily happen there. I I, I still kind of like Darnell said. I still think that Paul Pierce has more to offer to a team. Yeah. So I I think even if it's late in the year, uh, 
he's still with the Clippers, correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, they're, they're a playoff team, so they're going to want him on that roster. Uh, they're going to want him for leadership and really just his talent, because he'll still be able to go out there and give give a lot for 20 minutes in a game. So uh, I don't see him going back to Boston, but I wouldn't be surprised if Boston retires his number. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, he's not going back there this season, but like probably once the season's over and free agency and stuff begins, he'll probably sign one of those yeah. ceremonial one-day contracts just so yeah. he can retire his higher at Celtic. Yeah. yeah. That's, that yeah. would be guess. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening too. So, just have to see. Um, Guys, anything left for the um, NBA that you would like to add? No. All right, we're about to go to NCAA. Um, first of all, uh, what was your guys' thoughts on your team's uh, performance last week? Do I have uh, to? <laughs> yeah, talk about that sorry ass yeah. school, man. Uh, I'll take it from last week. Saturday was Murphy's Law. Everything that could go wrong did. Uh, Tyler O'Connor threw a lot of balls to the other team. Uh, he was under duress the whole time. A freshman quarterback from Wisconsin basically looked like Joe Montana with some of the dimes <laughs> he was dropping on the field. And, yeah. and we had no linebackers. So, I mean, it was just a perfect storm, and they looked terrible. I mean, running backs fumbling, running backs not being able to get yardage think as a team there was only like 70 some yards rushing very bad showing uh my only hope is they can bounce back from it or because you know with Notre Dame taking another bad loss it makes you wonder really like I said last week what team is really good what team isn't yeah so I mean I don't think I don't think Michigan State is as bad as they looked uh it was a terrible game but I think they're capable of a lot more. Uh, just they really have to rebound from that one. Yeah. Well, that was their, you know, first big test of the um, of the season. Uh, you think that was just, you know, them being nervous, uh, you know, Connors, you know, first um, big game? I don't think it was nerves. I just yeah. think it was he just had a terrible day. And, and the O-line had a terrible day as well. Yeah. When when your quarterback is speeding up a clock in his head, things go downhill from there. Uh, I expected Wisconsin to be stout against the run, uh, but when your quarterback can't push linebackers off, then it's going to be a terrible day for everybody, and that's basically what happened. Uh, too many turnovers, and like I said, on on the defensive side, not having. Uh, Riley Bulla, uh, Reschke got hurt. It, I mean, that's two key linebackers. Uh, you, it's going to be tough winning games when you don't have two players in the heart of your defense and your quarterback's playing terrible. Yeah. And, and Tran, I, I guess I would say that Notre Dame game was really their first test. That was on the road. That was a night game. Yeah. Um, so really, th- this was their second test. I think... Notre or uh, I think Wisconsin just got good tape on them and figured it out. Like 
Wisconsin's no no slouch. Uh, in, in reality, I don't think Michigan, like Darnell said, I don't think Michigan State's as bad as they looked. I, I think they just kind of fell into a slump week after a big win. Yeah. And, and, and that happens to a lot of teams. Yeah, they they ran into their buzzsaw, so I mean, hopefully they learn from it. And I mean, they gave me a nice hangover Sunday. <laughs> uh, hopefully they do better this weekend. Yeah, y'all got um Indy this week, I believe. High octane offense, so defense is gonna have to come to play. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ty. What about you? What about that Michigan man? Well, I guess I have a little bit of a different story to tell, but I still have a a lot of concerns for for this team moving forward. Uh, just a nice forty nine to ten win. Uh, really looked easy. They made it look easy. Um, shut out Penn State in the first half. Gave up ten in the second half, which really is still nothing to complain about. But the thing Michigan had going for them was their run game. Davion Smith led the way with twelve carries for one hundred and seven yards. Uh, Karan Higdon, nine carries, 81, and two touchdowns. I mean, we, we had Michigan had six rushing touchdowns, which no team would ever say no to. Uh, but, you know, as, as good as the offensive line opened up holes and the running backs took advantage of it, what still concerns me a little bit is the uh, passing game. Uh, now, granted, Amara Darbo, seven receptions, 44 yards to lead the way, but we had one passing touchdown, but it was only for three yards. You know, I feel like when we start playing, you know, more in the heart of our schedule, we're going to have to find the end zone through the air. We, we can't start to, or Michigan can't start to grow one dimensional on the ground. Uh, if, if they start to do that and kind of not necessarily abandon the pass game, but not capitalize on the pass game, it's going to become obvious and teams are going to notice it. So, I mean, Wilton Spate didn't have a terrible game, but, I mean, he completed 21 passes on 34 attempts, but only for 189 yards. That, In my opinion, that needs to be bigger yardage for 21 completions. Um, average 5.6 yards a pass, so or a pass completion. So, once again, I, I want to see the passing game become more relevant to open up the run i don't want to see us just have a comfortable running game and run the ball like yeah I, like i said i just think a team like a michigan state and ohio state uh, wisconsin next week they're going to be able to shut us down more if we grow one-dimensional so i mean it worked against penn state if it works keep going to the well but teams are going to notice it now, I think Michigan's going to have a little bit of a different playbook opening up for Wisconsin next week. Um, I don't think we're going to see, you know, six rushing touchdowns. Uh, I don't think we're going to see over 300 yards on the ground. If if we see that again, I'll be very surprised. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to expect to see a passing touch or uh, a passing touchdown or two next week. Um, I'm going to expect at least one or two on the ground again. So, I mean, next week's going to be really Michigan's first true test um, coming, what, five weeks into the season. <laughs> so it'll be a good game, a top 10 matchup. It'll be a good test. Uh, the defense is going to have to show up. 
Uh, the Wisconsin offense didn't look as shaky as I thought they would be. So they look poised and ready to go. Uh, their defense also likes to force turnovers. So Michigan's going to have to protect the ball. Uh, but o- overall, I think Michigan has handled their business through four weeks. Uh, they've won all their games fairly big. So I'm actually excited for next week because I think next week's going to give us a better test of what Michigan team we actually have. Yeah, I can't wait for this game. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But, yeah, we're going to – it's going to – them versus Wisconsin, man. That's going to be a good game to watch for sure. Uh, really going to see what both of these teams are going to be made of. But, um, anything else to add about your uh, teams, guys? Give me a win this Saturday. All right. <laughs> I would be concerned if Michigan State does not get the win. Yeah. Oh, I will be. You'll you'll hear all of my concern next week if we don't win. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I have to work Saturday or I was going to go. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was going to go. We're only – or I only live about an hour from Bloomington. So I was – I was going to drive over if I wasn't working, but I work. So won't be there. What's up, man? All right, up next, um, this kind of caught me a little off guard, you know, just with the timing and everything, but Les Miles, he got fired. Um, you know, this was kind of a shocker to me. I thought LSU um, would have at least let him finish the season uh, just because, you know, right now I don't think there's a lot of uh, good coaches um, out out right now to focus and uh focus on to see if you can bring to your team. I don't think the coaching market is uh pretty good right now for NCAA football. But um yeah, you know, Les Miles got fired. Um you know, I could definitely see this happening just with the performance of uh LSU um over the last couple of years. Um he's not um winning like he's uh used to uh like he used to with LSU but this kind of just caught me a little off guard just with the whole time and everything um how did you guys feel about this when you first heard it I wasn't shocked in the least actually Uh, I feel like I feel like that game was a game where basically whoever loses their coach was about to get fired Hmm. Uh, it, it was, I mean, to use the pro wrestling analogy, that was like a loser leaves title match. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and LSU, they, they took the L and they took it in less miles fashion. His problem has always been clock management. That was a clock management type loss. Yeah. Uh, you know, not, not getting the ball snapped and thinking they won, but after review, uh, they they didn't get it, so uh, and I th- I think from LSU's point of view, you know they he was basically fired last year, but the this yeah, the yeah school true, rallied around him and brought him back. I think they wanted to strike while the iron was hot on in, in their direction, get rid of him uh, when when he's going to have the least amount of sympathy available. Mm. So you know couple bad losses to start the year uh lsu was already annoyed that they're not competing with alabama uh, you know that they're used to winning some championships it's been a while especially since saban uh came back to came to tuscaloosa so i, th- I think 
they just knew that was their one chance because if they would have let him to finish the season and somehow he like he mess around and, and beat Alabama and cost them a chance at going to the national championship game, they wouldn't have been able to fire him again. They wanted him out. They wanted to start new. This was their chance. They took it. Yeah, and now having two losses through four weeks, uh, they can still go to a bowl game, but their playoff chances are most likely over. Yeah. Um, once again, you're looking at a couple teams in the SEC, probably most notably uh, Alabama and Texas A&M, who are both undefeated right now. So they have two games on you. Uh, it would take both of them to blow it and help from other conferences just to even be relevant in the picture again, uh, which... I don't think any of us see happening since last week we were already saying some two lost teams are out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, I mean, I agree with Darnell. Want to strike when the iron's hot, do it when you're the, the second you're out of the playoff run. Um, I mean, granted it was, you could say it was a controversial loss, uh, mainly because I don't think anybody really knew what was happening during the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, you think you win the game and, since every scoring play is reviewed, you shouldn't have had the play, and it was obvious. So it was it was definitely a tough one for LSU to lose, uh, especially with the dramatics it brought. Um, but once again, I, I don't think they should have even struggled with Auburn in the first place. Uh, like Darnell said, you know, I I think he said it last week. You know they just don't have quarterback development. Uh, that offense is struggling big time. Leonard Fournette, who a lot of people would have put as a finalist for Heisman, isn't even in the talk. Um, I know I think he missed a week, but still, I mean he's not even doing anything notably close to what he did last year. And yeah, everybody's um, just focusing in on him, man. And, yeah, and and unfortunately, all of that reflects on the head coach. If your yeah. players don't perform, it's head coach's fault. Um, and also, like Darnell said, when you're used when you're used to winning nine, ten games a year, and you have two losses through four weeks, it's not looking too good to boosters. It's not looking too good to campuses. Uh, so, really, I'm not surprised by the fact that he's been fired. But I I am a little surprised in the fact that he hasn't been able to save himself from being fired. Um, just just the idea that, I mean, you, you'd think after last year he would have got a clue and got this team turned around, but he just hasn't. So LSU can still make a bowl game and still potentially play on New Year's Day against, I don't know, some Big Ten school in the Gator Bowl, but that looks like that'll be a highlight for, for them this year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the best they're going to get. Uh, I don't know, just Les Miles has always had his own way about going about things. He He's never been that traditional coach. He's that's They they call him a, the gambler and the, the, the hat. Yep, the mad hatter. Like, yeah. he, and, you know, he, he lived by it and basically died by it. He, he, he was stuck in his ways. Uh, I mean, people have been calling him out for the past two or three years now saying, how can't you develop a quarterback with all the four- and five-star talent that you have coming through there? I mean, he he's had quarterbacks who were decent enough to 
get him there. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, over the last few years with you know Jordan Jefferson and what they had going this year, it just they didn't have it. They became so one dimensional, and and with Les Miles' uh, pension for you know taking risks, he didn't have the talent to save him on it or the player development to save him on him. Now, where can you guys see him coaching next? Uh, I mean, it's, it's probably going to be a year, year and year and some change before he gets that next job. But I'm pretty sure another power, power conference school is going to take a shot at him. He, he's too, he's got, he's still got too good of a track record to not, bring him in and see if maybe a change of scenery might help him. Yeah. Yeah. The the one thought that's <laughs> flowing through my mind about where he could end up next is we, we've seen this happen a couple of times. Um, I believe we've seen it in the NFL. Uh, I don't know if we've seen it in college in recent years, but I think there could be a coaching switch. Uh, I could see Notre Dame also firing Brian Kelly at the end of the year. And Les Miles ends up at Notre Dame, and Brian Kelly ends up at LSU. Uh, I would not be surprised if that potentially happens. Um, I I do think Brian Kelly is going to get fired as well at Notre Dame, especially after they lost their third game this year to Duke. Uh, I think his time's just up there. Uh, I think a lot of people had higher hopes for them than they probably deserved this year, but I don't think anybody would have picked them to be one and three through four weeks. I know I definitely didn't. So uh, I could see him potentially ending up at Notre Dame because Notre Dame would be willing to bring a guy like Les Miles into there. Um, And I think they would be able to get a better quarterback at Notre Dame than they would be able to at LSU just because of the name Notre Dame. They've kind of been known to get the quarterbacks. Uh, So I wouldn't be too surprised if he somehow ends up at Notre Dame. Uh, for some reason, that's that's just kind of sticking with me, uh, and it sounds like a good story, so I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm about to poke a little hole in it. Okay. Because, uh, I mean, me personally, I feel like LSU is a far better job in Notre Dame. I would uh, agree. It's in, it's in the SEC. I think the recruiting base is better. That's why mm-hmm. I think – I don't think you should get a, be able to get a better quarterback at Notre Dame than LSU uh, because Notre Dame – of course, you can get good players. Good players will want to go yeah, there. Yeah, Notre Dame does have a tradition, though. I mean, overall, well, you know, traditionally Notre Dame is a better uh, football school than LSU. Since, since when? If you look at the history of the – I mean, if they're like second place years. in national championships. If you look 100 no. years back. Can you rock me? Yeah. I'm just saying tradition, that but, could but, but help play an effect on up, people going there. Over the last there. 20 years, who, who's won more national championships? All I'm saying is – Over both of oh, your lifetimes, who's won more national championships? Well, and, and to be fair, Trey, I didn't say a better school. I said they just get better quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, all I'm 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 not you know I'm not trying to argue anything. I'm just saying you know traditionally Notre Dame is a better school than LSU. And and Darnell, I agree. You should be able to get a better quarterback at LSU. You should. But like I'm, I I can agree that's a possibility. But I'm just saying, just Mm -hmm. in in this day and age, no. Like Notre Dame is not a better football school than LSU. It's just I would agree. 
<laughs> not in my lifetime and I'm older than both of you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just saying like, yes, if you go back to the, like if, if you're looking at the late eighties back, then yeah, you might have a point there, but you know, in the, in this modern era, Notre Dame, they got a little bit of a, a rise with getting Brian Kelly there because, uh, he got him to a national championship game. They got housed, but at mm-hmm. least he got him there. LSU has a couple national championships in the last 10 years, uh, 15 years. Yeah. So, but I, I could see, I could see, uh, Les Miles going there, but I'm just not sure because even though you can recruit there, you still have to hold the academic standards that uh, Notre true. Dame doesn't back down on. True. Uh, they, they do take, uh, education's pretty seriously there. Not saying that there aren't true, they're not players that that don't take their education seriously at LSU, but if you are a player that doesn't take your education quite as seriously, they can work with you to try to get you in there. That's not yeah. happening at Notre Dame. So some, some of the players that true. Les would be used to getting, wouldn't he wouldn't be getting anymore. True. Now, the... And I guess the reason I say that is because I feel like Notre Dame would be willing to pay for Les Miles. And I think at this point, Les Miles no will chase, and I think Les Miles will chase the money. Um, no, no, I, 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 good. I, I don't yeah. disagree at all. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying he still doesn't want to win. I mean, I, I think anybody who's a coach just has that deep inside of them, that winning mentality. So, yeah. I mean, I, I solely think it would be a business decision for him. I don't see. I don't see an NFL team reaching to him. I don't think he wants to coach in the NFL. I think he likes the college environment. Uh, but I, I just think that Notre Dame is is most likely going to be the high-profile job with Les Miles being the high-profile coach. Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, I think that's a shot, but I mean, if I'm if I'm guessing, I think he might actually stay around SEC country. Uh, that that Auburn job is probably gonna open up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he'll probably be on the short list there. Uh, maybe one of the lower schools in the division might want to take a look at him. But I, I I think he he's used to those surroundings. I think there's a better chance there. Like I actually I, I actually kind of pencil in Auburn for him. Okay. Hey, at least I'm not getting. Too crazy and saying he's going to go be an assistant coach at Michigan. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting to hear that. I mean, has it crossed my mind? Yes, it has. Do I think it's going to happen? Absolutely not. <laughs> I, I, I bet you, old, old Jimmy might make the phone call to see. He he's talked about bringing him in as an honorary captain. Yeah, but that's just Harbaugh being Harbaugh. Yeah. Now, who who do you guys could uh? Who would you possibly see going to LSU? Brian Kelly. <laughs> oh, yeah. You kind of went ahead of the thing. Yeah, but, okay, a, yeah, a little bit. And and I'll just go back. Once again, I, I think that even though Brian Kelly has been to a national championship in Notre Dame, I think his time's just up. Uh, having really a terrible year so far. Uh, once again, I, I think Brian Kelly has shown he can develop some talent. Uh, once again, you know, he just has a bad situation and a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame right now. 
uh, their defense can't stop anybody. So if Duke's scoring over 30 points on you, anybody can score 30 points on you. So I, I'm looking at, at that situation. Uh, I think Brian Kelly is going to be let go. Uh, once again, jumping a little ahead of you, Trey, but, you know, just I could see Brian Kelly being there. Uh, kind of the same situation where I could see Les Miles at Notre Dame. A higher profile name for a higher profile job. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as far as LSU goes, it's, it's a tough call. I mean, uh, I, they'll be looking to make a splash, so I'm kind of wondering if they make a call to a certain offensive coordinator in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if you can't beat them, join them. Uh, try to take some of the coach in there and see if see if it helps you get over that hump. So, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they try to get themselves some, some lane in their lives. Or, uh, but, uh, I mean, if Ed Orgeron, who's going to be their interim, if he, if he can actually turn some things around, maybe they give him another year or two to show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, possibly with that, uh, you know, you brought up the whole uh, Lane Kiffin thing, Darnell. I was joking around with my cousin, uh, Derek. Uh, he was on here a few weeks ago, and, you know, I asked him about that. He flat out told me, hell no, uh, he shouldn't <laughs> go to LSU. <laughs> so that was just his thoughts on there. Um, you know, my whole thinking about it was, uh, you know, Lane Kiffin, you know, he's making a name for himself right now uh, as an uh, offensive coordinator. Um, he's been drawing up some great plays, and he's helped Alabama win some championships. So um, I think that, you know, just with him, uh, one, it would be a great way for him to start his uh, head coaching career um, over again in college football, just, you know, with the um, instances that he had in Tennessee and USC. Um, I think that would be good for him to start over in the uh, SEC uh, so the powerhouse conference um, and getting recruits and everything like that. Um, but, you know, just the fact he's just making a name for himself. I just think that, you know, if anybody was to uh, look at, you know, I already told you that I don't think the coaching market is uh, that high right now. And for college football, mm-hmm. there's not really any names that you see that's like, hmm, you know, I should go for him. Um, but, you know, I just think, you know, with the whether what he has on his resume right now, the success he's having with Alabama, I think he's one of the uh, top guys uh, that you would go for if you were needed a coach on your team, just based on the market right now for the uh, coaching in the NCAA. Now, uh, Tyler, you did you did get ahead of us on here, man, <laughs> but uh so I'll ask you, Darnell, uh, can Kelly get ready to pack his bags for a Notre Dame departure? The way the season's going, yes. I mean, unless he makes some kind of epic turnaround, I mean, just the team's not performing. And, you know, just he's had his issues with the camera catching him on the sideline just being a maniac. I, I think some of that stuff might start to add up. You can deal with a lot of that stuff if, if you're winning. Yeah. Uh, but when when your coach, mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of built up that reputation that he's he's an a-hole. Yeah. So, My way uh, or the highway. Yeah. So, I mean, Notre Dame, they, they want desperately to get to what we were talking about, get back to that team that everybody tuned in on uh, to watch. Every Saturday, uh, 
when they were on top of the college football world, but it's just not happening. So I think they they make that next try at it because you know tradi- over recent tradition Notre Dame hasn't <laughs> they haven't stuck with coaches very long. If if you're not performing, they they get them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Brian Kelly's had probably the longest tenure uh, because he gave them that hope uh, in getting to a national championship game, but. It seems like it's been a slow descent from there. Yeah, yeah. You know, just looking at Notre Dame's schedule moving forward, uh, they have a game coming up against Syracuse that they should probably win. But in a couple of weeks, they play Stanford. Don't see them winning that. Then they play Miami, Florida. That game could be really tough. Virginia Tech could be tough. Second to last game of the year. And I don't know if they could beat USC. They're going to struggle to make a bowl game this year. So. If Brian Kelly can't make a bowl game, Notre Dame won't. They they won't take that. Yeah, that was, I think he'll be out. Um, no, sure. Notre Dame can't make yeah, a bowl game. He's, Notre Dame is too much self respect for that. Yeah. Uh, especially, uh, not not just because they didn't make a bowl game. I think it's just the fact of not making a bowl game and looking really bad doing it. Like they're Notre Dame, like. Darnell said, has always had that short leash. Um, I mean, Brian Kelly has been around for the last handful of years, but in college football, you're not promised a job if you don't produce. So he had the one year, and I think a lot of people were expecting playoff last year, and they just unfortunately lost to Clemson and Stanford last year. Uh, And then starting the year with three losses out of four games, once again, it's it's just it's time to cut that leash. Uh, they haven't looked good. Uh, Brian Kelly doesn't really seem to have a, a hold of this team. Um, you know, they've suspended players. Um, players have been asked to leave the team. It, it's just a downhill situation. So yeah, I think he's packing his bags. Um, he'll find another job though. He's a good coach. He'll he'll find something. All right, guys. Uh, what game are you looking forward to watching the most this week? In reality, there should be two obvious answers here. Uh, I think the first being just because we're in the Big Ten section of the of the United States, uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, four versus eight. Uh, that's just, I think, a big time matchup. It'll it'll shake some picture in the Big Ten. Um, I know Darnell, you're probably hoping for a Wisconsin win to keep that to keep that East side a little open. Yeah. Um, so, but it, but in reality, it should be a good game. Michigan's handled everything that's come their way so far, um, and this is just going to be their first true test. So I think we're really going to see what Michigan's made of this week, um, win or lose. We're going to see who they are. So. I think that's a good going to be a great matchup. And then secondly, the other top 10 matchup, Stanford and Washington. Um, another top 10 matchup. Uh, two good-looking programs out of the Pac-12, which I didn't think would really have a great-looking program this year. Uh, Stanford's – well, Stanford really kind of squeaked one out last week against UCLA, but still they fought hard to the very end. And you got to play – excuse me, play till the clock hits zero. And you win the game when you play for the full – 60 minutes so uh Wisconsin or Washington being a little bit more of a surprise team this year kind of coming 
to the forefront what seems to be out of nowhere but a lot of people saw this coming them being a top 10 team and this will be a good test for both those schools as well so i think those are kind of the two obvious picks for a good game this week wow well and i think you can pencil me in for louisville clemson yeah wow. i thought you were going to say oh that time, yeah. Jeez. Of, uh, so there's, there's there's three top yeah. ten matchups. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeez, I didn't. Say, I forgot that one. Yeah, I thought you. Uh, yeah, you I, said Stanford, Washington. I, I said, "Wow, over Clemson." Uh, I, 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 wow. I okay. Well, okay. I guess I loves his pack. Okay, now, <laughs> let, let me let me let me give a little explanation as to why I picked that one. I did say that I thought a Pac-12 team is going to miss out on the playoff again, and I think this helps paint the picture in the Pac-12 to who is really the cream of the crop out there. So, okay. to to me. Now, granted, that other matchup is going to be great. Don't get me wrong. I'll let Darnell touch on that one. But for for me, I think this could potentially show us who's coming out of the Pac-12 this year since it looks like the Big 12 may struggle again. Uh, granted, a team could still make it out of the out of the Big 12, but uh, I think we may see a team out of the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, I mean, the way it's going, it's not definitely – they have a good shot at it. I'm looking at Louisville Clemson. Uh, yeah. three, three versus five, so you know, yeah. top five matchup. That's the the matchup. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, of course, looking to see that uh quarterback battle between uh Jackson and Watson. Uh, that's looking to see a lot of points put up in this game. Uh, it's going to be a track meet. This video game football, so I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just, uh, you know, got some good ones this week, man. Just with Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, Michigan, he, well, first of all, Harbaugh, he's been running him off his, a uh, lot this offseason. So it's going to be his first, uh, big test of the season against a, uh, Wisconsin team that looked just magnificent last week. So definitely going to have that one. Uh, going to be watching that one for sure. Um, Stanford and Washington, that's going to be good pack, uh, pack 12 football to watch. See if, um, Oh my goodness, my guy for Stanford, uh, Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey, yeah, to see if he can carry his team to another win. Um, so that's going to be another one to watch. And then just especially the one that I have picked is, uh, Louisville versus Clemson. You know, I had, um, Deshaun Watson just hyped up. I thought he was just going to kill it with the Heisman run this year, but, uh, the guy to beast. And Lamar Jackson, uh, who's, you know, just taking the league by storm um, this year. So that duel of the quarterbacks, that's going to just be that's going to be my my number one game to uh, watch uh, this Saturday. So and I'll admit, I kind of feel bad. I forgot about that one. (laughs) Yeah. Like, yeah, I I was like, you said Stanford and (laughs) Washington over that one. I was like, wow. And and, and I guess, like I said, because I was talking all all offseason about how I think the Pac-12 is going to miss out again. And. Looks like they they got two real deal teams out there, so I'm kind of looking to see who's going to jump forward in that in that conference. So, but yeah, all all three are going to be great. You know, I think with that Clemson Louisville game, I'll be more curious to see if Clemson's defense can even keep up. You know, I'm I'm surprised we haven't seen you know teams kind of do the fake and injury just to slow them down yet. Hmm. I wonder if we're going to start seeing that in the near future because really they roll and they roll fast. Yeah. So L- Lamar Jackson's for real. Saw stat today. He is tied for third among all teams in the country in touchdown scored. 
he wow. he himself is tied for third <laughs> among all teams in touchdown scored. That's Think crazy. about that. Think yeah. about that. Through four weeks. And amongst boys right now. So, something. All right, fellas. Uh, you guys ready for the pickums? Yep. I guess. Uh, all right, <laughs> so... Y'all not doing, we're not doing bad in uh, college, you know. I'm leading the pack, uh, 10 for 13. Yeah. I uh, went strong last week, man. I went uh, 5 for 5 with the um, NCAA picks, so. I think you cooked the books. Yeah, so. <laughs> did that thing. <laughs> Trans marking himself against the spread, off yes. the actual. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, you losers, you're tied 8 for 13, so. Get on my level. Now we're losers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I was going to do Stanford uh, first, but we're going to get the one that's uh, less important out the way with. Um, Tennessee versus Georgia. Um, Tennessee, they have a minus three and a half uh, point lead for the spread in this game. Who do you guys have? I'm going to go with Tennessee. They've been a strong second-half team all year after really what seems like they come slow out of the gates every single game. But they, they figure it out in the second half, and they end up winning the game. Uh, I'm going to take Tennessee in this one by a score of 27-21. to 21. All right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Tennessee as well. They, they got over to that Florida hump finally last week. Uh Looked good in the second half. It was look, looking rough early, but they held twenty one. Yeah, but they they showed some some toughness and came through and took it out. Uh, I just I don't think Georgia has the talent as of yet to beat Tennessee. Uh, they're they're working their way back, but I, I'm just not seeing it. So I am going with Tennessee as well. Twenty eight, twenty one. Yeah, just kind of funny. Last week, man, uh, I sent you guys a text like, like during the first half of the Tennessee game, just dissing them, mm-hmm. and then like second half, they just looked like a completely different team. Yeah. Um, um, you know, I was kind of nervous about this one at first. Um, I think Georgia they're going to compete with them, but seeing that second half team, man, I got to go with Tennessee over this one. I think they if they play like that. Um, how they did in the second half. Uh, I think there's no way that they should lose this game. So I'm going to go Tennessee um, 28 to 20, Georgia versus Georgia. Um, up next, we'll go Stanford versus Washington. Uh, Washington, they have a minus three lead uh, for the spread. Yeah, I believe the game is. Uh, well, it's at Washington. At Washington, yeah. yeah I, I believe they're the home team, and that's why they're the favorite. But I'm I'm going to go with Stanford on this one. I think they, I think they just have a little bit more offensively. Uh, I think Christian McCaffrey is going to shine here. Uh, he seems to love the big stage, so this is going to be it it for him so far in this young season. And uh, I think Stanford coming off of really a nice last minute win against UCLA. Granted, I think they, they should have handled UCLA a little bit better, but they stuck into the very end and played with all they had in a last possession where their quarterback looked good and delivered at the end. So I'm gonna go Stanford in a mid scoring affair of thirty one to twenty four. I'm gonna go with the home team. 
Wow. Washington in this one. Uh, I think they might actually have enough on defense to uh, not stop McCaffrey, but, you know. Slow him down. Yeah, make it an uh, ugly enough game to where they can get out ahead of him. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Washington's built to actually be able to beat the Stanford team. Uh, so I'm going to take Washington 27 22. Get a safety in there or something. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to go with Washington on this one. Um, I do like my man McCaffrey, but he can only do so much. Um, last week against UCLA, UCLA, they competed with him. They had a chance, had a chance to even win the game. Um, this time they're going to be playing against Washington, who I think is, a uh, better team than UCLA. I think they could just hit harder, um, just play a little bit more physical, just have just overall just better talent. Plus, you know, Washington is playing at home too. So I think, you know, they're going to have the crowd to back them up and everything. So I think uh, they're going to try their best to uh, stop McCaffrey as much as they can. Um, I think they're going to do enough uh, to stop them to uh, to the point where they're just going to out, just outscore them enough to win. So I do have Washington winning this one. I have them winning 24-17. to 17. Put that there. Then, okay, uh, we up next we have Wisconsin at Michigan. Uh, Michigan has a minus 10.5 lead uh, for the spread. Ten and a half. Yes, I was, seems, yeah. that seems a little big for me, but uh, I'm gonna go with Michigan. Uh, I think they have figured out a little bit what to do with their run game. They're they're still using a slew of running backs, uh, but I think they're they they figured some things out. I think that offensive line took a step forward against Penn State. Granted, Penn State didn't have a lot of depth at the line, uh, at the defensive line positions, but uh, that was still the biggest defensive line Michigan had seen this year, and they ran on them. Uh, I think Wilton Spate uh, will throw the ball better this week. They're going to need him to throw the ball better this week. Uh, I think that's something they're going to work on. They're going to work on giving him some easy pass plays to build the confidence to hopefully open the deep ball up. But I'm going to take Michigan 20, 24 to 17. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with the underdog here. Uh, uh, Wisconsin, they, I mean, they shut me up last week, of course. Uh, so, I, I'm I'm gonna roll with them here. Their their defense looked ferocious. Uh, if I think if they can do a lot of the things that they did against us against Michigan, uh, similar you know thing that they're going up against first year starter at quarterback. Uh, if they can get pressure, if they can stop the run, uh, I think it'll be a long day for Michigan. It'll still be a close game, but I'm gonna go with Wisconsin twenty eight twenty four. All right. Um, I'm going to go with the underdog as well, Wisconsin. Um, I just think, man, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, they looked just marvelous last week against State. Um, they were already up here in uh, Michigan last week, and, uh, you know, they're coming right to Ann Arbor. Uh, they had a tough crowd to play with in Michigan last week. They're going to play with another tough crowd in Michigan. Um, 
that defense, like Darnell said, they look ferocious. I think they're going to hit the trenches. Um, their quarterback, uh, he played pretty well last week, too, so I think he's going to be confident coming into this game. Um, the key thing was, you know, Michigan versus um, Colorado, that game just still sticking with me a little bit. I just stay let them just hang in a little bit too much with them. Um, so, like I said, this is going to be Michigan's first test. Um, Wisconsin, they've been uh, tested already a little bit this season, so I just think they're going to be prepared for this game. So I have Wisconsin winning this game 27-24. and 24. Yeah, so nobody's going with the uh, 10 and a half spread, huh? <laughs> no. Wow. <laughs> I think I think what we we've, we've seen out of Wisconsin shows they should cover the spread. Yeah. If, if if well, I guess in Vegas's books covering the spread's winning, so. Yeah. All right. Um the game that I really want to see uh Louisville versus Clemson. Uh who do you guys got? Louisville. I picked a against them against Florida State and was 40 points wrong. <laughs> so, I, I think sometimes you learn a lesson the hard way. And I said this last week, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So give me Louisville. Ooh, 35. 21. All right. I am going with Louisville as well. Uh, Tyler kind of touched on it a while back. I'm not sure that Clemson has a well enough equipped defense to stay close enough in this track meet. I know the spread is close on this one, uh, but it's going to take a national championship performance out of Deshaun Watson, I think, to keep this one close. I think. Louisville is is as good as them on offense and probably a little bit better on D. Uh, though, I mean, the numbers bear out that it should be two good defenses playing against each other. I just feel like uh, Louisville's done better against against better. So I'm going to go with Louisville 35-28. Uh, All right. I am going to go with the formula Lamar Jackson and Louisville Cardinals uh, winning this game. Uh, just looking at the two quarterbacks, uh, a little disappointed in Deshaun Watson's play this year. Uh, this guy has the legs. He can take off and uh, move with his feet, too. Um, he just hasn't really been doing it uh, as much as I would like this year, where you have Lamar Jackson. This guy, if he needs to get a touchdown with his legs, he'll do it. If he needs to pass it, he'll do it. Uh, so just right now, he just looks like whatever uh, he needs to do, he's going to end up uh, just moving the chains and getting touchdowns uh, in this game. So I think Lamar Jackson is going to get at least five touchdowns just uh, along with himself in this game, so I think they're going to put up a good score, um, high-scoring game against Clemson, so I have Louisville winning. Um, I'm going to go with 42-20. to 20. Wow. Yeah. Lamar Jackson. Did you, did, you, did, you, did you guys see the article where Lamar Jackson rated himself on his performance this season? Did you guys see this? No. No. Here, here's what it says. Lamar Jackson believes, and this is according to ESPN, Lamar Jackson believes he's failing 
No, seriously, ask him. He gave himself a D grade after he scored five touchdowns against the number two Florida State team two weeks ago. Okay, that's just stupid. I know. <laughs> but that's ridiculous, though. Yeah. That guy just, you know. And, and, and then he. That hard on himself. He, he went on to say, uh, I think it was seven incomplete passes I threw, bad balls. And then against Marshall. Uh, where he had five touchdowns passing 417 yards. He gave himself an F. Wow. <laughs> Let's see if he'll get himself an A performance uh, this week. See what that'll be. Dude, Ten yeah. touchdowns? Um, yeah, a 50-point win's going to be you have to throw for a 100% completion. A yard. thousand yards in a yeah. game. C plus. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, I just I read that at work today. I'm like, that's bizarre. That's messed up. All right, guys. Um, anything left uh, you have want to add for uh, the NCAA uh, football before we move on to the NFL? I think we covered it all. All right. Uh, first thing first in the NFL, uh, just talk about our team team's performance. Uh, how did you guys feel about your team's performance last week? I'll go first this time for you, Darnell. Okay. Uh, in a losing, really a valiant effort, I think, by the Lions, uh, the defense is going to be their Achilles heel all year. They can't stop anybody. Uh, granted, they did a better job against Tennessee, but I don't think Tennessee has the offense that Indianapolis or Green Bay has like the Lions just got out to a very slow start. I think they were down twenty-one three uh, to start that game, but they fought really hard. Lost by seven, twenty-seven thirty-four. Uh, Stafford had a big game after a slow start. Uh, Marvin Jones is starting to rise to the top as a potential uh, top receiver in the NFL. I believe he had seven receptions for over 200 yards and two touchdowns like that. That's a monster game, no matter who you are. So I, I like what we have in Marvin Jones. Uh, he's starting to open up the ball down the field. Golden Tate still needs to get going. He's having a very poor start to the year. He doesn't even look like he's the third option in the offense. Uh, it looks like it goes Marvin Jones, Eric Ebron, who's having a nice start to the year and then whoever the running back is, then Golden Tate. Uh, he just doesn't seem to be getting the ball very often. And I think once he gets going, uh, this offense will take another step forward. Uh, but the defense needs to figure it out. Now, granted, I, I wasn't expecting a win against Green Bay. I think anybody would have been dumb to say they were going to go in there and win again in the Lambeau. Only one win since 93. So I, I think we got what we expected. Uh, I just don't think I expected Detroit to fall behind so early and then storm back so late. Um, I, granted, I do think Stafford should be throwing the ball all over that Green Bay defense. That Green Bay defense was hurt. They were depleted. And Stafford really racked it up after the first quarter on him. Uh, and I think he should have been able to do that. I think Stafford 
Uh, well, so far, Stafford's looked like a top quarterback, uh, throwing the ball very well, quite accurate, uh, throwing touchdowns. Uh, and I'm, I'm, and I said it at the beginning of, of the year when we were kind of doing a prediction for the Lions. I, I really thought we were going to see more production out of uh, some of the guys that we are seeing production out of. Uh, we, we saw it out of Abdullah and Riddick in the passing game. Now Abdullah's out for the year. So we're going to need to still see it out of Riddick and now Dwayne Washington, who's the number two back. Uh, we're starting to see good production out of Eric Ebron. He's catching the ball really well. He doesn't seem to have the drops that he had last year. Uh, so Stafford's losing his tunnel vision for Calvin Johnson, and I think it's paying dividends for the Lions. It's just the fact that they should have won that game against Tennessee. They, In my opinion, they should be 2-1, and one, but they're not 2-1. and one. Uh, They have a favorable matchup with the Bears this coming week, so I expect them to pick up a win there. And I expect uh, Stafford to look good again. So a two and two start for the Lions, as long as they win next week, I, I won't be too upset with that. That that be I would have picked them to probably be two and two. In in all fairness, I kind of jokingly picked them against the Colts, but they ended up winning that game anyway. Uh, but I will I will take a two and two start, uh, considering they don't have much of a defense. And I thought it would have taken them a little longer to figure the offense out. Yeah, I mean, they the first half looked like I was expecting. I I thought Packers were going to come out with a vengeance because of them losing at home to them last year. And Aaron Rodgers basically was, was pretty locked in. But I was impressed with that the Lions fought back. Mm-hmm. I thought they were probably just going to give up and pack that one up to get ready for next week but they they fought through uh so they didn't end up getting blown out so i give them kudos for that uh but as far as uh my team goes uh the cowboys i think they did what they should have done they played a depleted bears team uh playing with a backup quarterback uh, starting running back got hurt early in the first quarter. Uh, basically set up for them to easily win that game, which they did, 31-17. Uh, got decent outings out of the players that you want to see play well. Uh, Dak Prescott, uh, 19 for 24, so he's pretty efficient. Had a touchdown. Uh, Zeke Elliott, a lot of carries, 30 carries for 140 yards. Uh, no touchdowns. The touchdowns on the ground came from Prescott and Alfred Morris, but overall, good game there. And uh, even with uh, Des Bryant getting nicked up in that game, uh, Prescott he's spreading the ball around. Uh, mm-hmm. Four receptions for Terrence Williams, seven for Cole Beasley, who seems to be his ever-growing security blanket, and you know. Dez still had three receptions uh, before he had to take a seat. Witten, a couple catches. Elliott, a couple catches. Uh, team's coming along. Uh, and the offense is doing enough to keep defense from off the field. And the defense is playing a little bit better than expected with them not having much talent. So, overall, good game. I'll take two and one. Yeah, so, there you have it. 
who who do they play next week? Uh, they play the 49ers, another game they probably should win. Yeah. Uh, just for me, uh, just real quick, you know, Baltimore Ravens, typical Ravens football. Um, they play Jacksonville. Uh, they won 19 to 17. I would have liked the score to be a little bit, um, further than that. Uh, but Ravens defense, they did sack Bortles four times and got three INTs off of them. So that was good for the defense. Uh, Flacco, you know, he did throw 29 out of 40. Um, they just love him throwing the football, but he did throw two INTs with no touchdowns. So, uh, with him throwing the ball that many times, I want to see some touchdowns out of it, you know, and no interceptions at all. Uh, the running game, I still would like to see them do more out of that. Um, looks like they use West more than Forsett this game. Um, and, you know, he, the game, well, West, he got 10 rushes, uh, 45 yards, while for set, he got seven for 20. Um, so still like to see that running game just develop a little bit more. Um, Steve Smith, you know, eight receptions for 87 yards. Uh, pretty good game. You know, Flacco just don't want to see the two interceptions and, you know, want to see some touchdowns out of him as many times as he's throwing the football. And, um, you know, good job by the Ravens defense, but that score needs to be further away. But, they're three and zero right now, so they're they're getting the job done. But I think they should, even though they're getting the job done, they still should do a better job. Um, just overall, you know, I just think they should have uh, had a better score than that against Jacksonville. So a win's a win, though. So I can't complain. Mm-hmm. Could be, you know, sorry like Detroit, but <laughs> you know, I'll take it. All right, guys. Anything uh, else about your team? Nope. All right. Uh, about to talk about Bill Belichick and the Patriots uh, for a little bit. Um, just thoughts about Bill Belichick and his uh, plug and play QB situation right now. You know, I. Oh, do you want to? All right. You know, I think we all can agree that Bill Belichick's probably the NFL mastermind right now, seeming to find gold wherever he looks. Uh, but I, I think what's kind of worked for the Patriots is the fact that one, their defense is stepping up. Yeah. Uh, shut out, shut out the Bills. Really limited the Cardinals, and uh, limited the whoever else they played. Like I, it doesn't even matter because nobody pictured them to be three and zero, and nobody's going to care how they did it at this point when they get Tom Brady back. They just, they just did it. And what I, I think what Belichick's so good at is he creates a great game plan based around what he has at quarterback. Uh, they've gotten great production out of LeGarrette Blount through, uh, through three weeks. Uh, he had a really big game against the bills um, or against uh, not the bills, uh, the dolphins, yeah, whoever, whoever they played last week. Oh, last week. Um, Anyway, I'm drawing a blank, but uh, oh, the you know, Texans, Texans, that's right. So he he had an, he had a really good game there, but you know it, it's the idea that he's not asking the quarterbacks one well one he's not asking them to be Tom Brady, uh, which is very smart. They each quarterback knows what they can and can't do, and Belichick's working around it. Secondly, he's not asking them to single handedly win the game. Uh, granted, they haven't had Gronkowski, so they've needed good work from Danny Amendola, Chris Hogan, uh, Julian Edelman, Martellus Bennett, uh, uh, 
LeGarrette Blunt, and they've gotten it there. Uh, the thing that I think is scary at this point is even though they're scoring points, the defense is looking better than the offense, uh, which I don't think anybody wanted to see that happening. Because uh, when Tom Brady's back, Gronk seems to be healthy now. Uh, we should see a better workload from him this week coming up. I, I just think that this Patriots team is very scary. And if they're 4-0 without Tom Brady, they could potentially run the table this year. Uh, they did it a few years ago, but that was a different team. Uh, but I, I think uh, nobody imagined 3-0. I know I didn't. I <clears throat> I wouldn't imagine wouldn't have imagined 4-0. The only question is, what's going to be the quarterback situation this week? As we learn, uh, Br- Brissett had a uh, torn ligament in his thumb. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there in terms of can he throw, can he not yeah. throw. What I heard today, I think they said, uh, um, let me make sure I get his name right, Garoppolo? Yeah, Jimmy yeah, Garoppolo. Garoppolo. Uh, what I heard today, um, I think they are expecting one of them uh, to be ready for yeah. Sunday. So yeah, they were they were saying that Jimmy Garoppolo, his shoulder was bothering him last week and he didn't play. Uh, saying he should be ready to go this week, so it's going to be a question mark as to what they're going to do at quarterback. Uh, worst case scenario will probably be Edelman has to play quarterback, but he has the college experience there, not the NFL experience. Yeah. So I, I still think either Jacoby Brissett or uh, Jimmy Garoppolo are going to be there at quarterback. Uh, but either way, I think the Patriots are going to be favored. I think uh, Gronk being seemingly healthy this week they'll get good production out of him just another another weapon to add to the what seems to be not skipping a beat new england patriots so interesting week for them ahead especially with the quarterback situation but that defense has been strong enough to hold them together easily so they they just look strong and like a team to really be reckoned with yeah i mean it's they they built their team so well, but I mean it. it it's almost seeming like you can give Bel, uh, Belichick a week with a ape, and he'll have a serviceable <laughs> quarterback. Just I I just don't understand it. I mean, third string quarterback. I mean, he he didn't light the world on fire or anything, but I mean, it's perfectly fine. Eleven for nineteen, so threw for a high percentage, and. Didn't make mistakes. Had some nice runs along them for a touchdown. Like it, you can see why people start to hate the Patriots. Just they just figure out ways to just stay perfect, even where everything is lining up where they should be struggling. Uh, it's almost like Brady is probably at home laughing right now. Yeah. They fought hard to give him those four games off, and he's still like he's doing nothing. Yeah, he's still about to walk into a at worst three and one record. Yeah, so it's like the the rich get richer. Yeah, yeah. Now, just looking at this, uh, does this make Tom Brady look overrated in any way? Um, you know, just. You know, when he had the injury to one year, uh, they had Castle. Castle looked pretty good with the Patriots. 
now he's got to deal with this um, suspension. This is the uh, last week for it. Um, you know, Garoppolo, he looked good. Brissett looked good. Um, does this just kind of take anything away from Brady's accomplishments um, at New England? Well, I mean, you, you can't take the rings off his fingers. Uh, so, I mean, he, he did win those Super Bowls. He he played well in those Super Bowls. I mean, it, you, you can question how much of a, a system New England has because, I mean, they they do seem to just still win games no matter who is playing quarterback. Uh, Brady is definitely not like just if you throw him on another team, they're not they're not going to be terrible or something like that. Uh, or that the team you throw him on is not going to be terrible. But, but yeah, I mean, I guess you, I think it opens the door to question a little bit, just like, eh, I mean, is, is Brady this god of football that we make him? I mean, I, I, over the years, I tend to lean more as Belichick knows what he's doing as, as far as putting pieces together to win football games and he puts people in the right positions to win uh brady he prepares for every game he does what he needs to do he's he's had some magnificent performances in games uh but he he seems to be in the best circumstances possible he has a great organization he has quite possibly the best coach in nfl history uh doing things for him, who is also the GM for the team, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, just real quick, not take anything uh, away from Brady at all, but, you know, you said he's got the rings, but the, that defense, you know, the years we uh, won a championship, that defense and that kicker um, that they had, they played a huge yeah. role in SSS. Um, so, but, you know, still not taking anything away from him. You know, there's still his, uh, rings. He still needed to move the ball some. So. Yeah, I mean, Brady didn't become like really a prolific thrower until Randy Moss came into the picture. Yeah. And after that, the, the beast we know of Gronk as Gronk now, uh, opened things up for him. Uh, I mean, he, he, he seemed to be more of a game manager. He had some games where he threw for a lot of yards still. Uh, but it was a lot of short yardage throws that would, break open for big plays uh all through the years though he he's become more of a vertical passer but i mean brady's a very good quarterback he's always going to be mentioned in that and with those top teams uh but he he's never had to do more with less in my opinion yeah uh, yeah i mean Four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Super Bowl MVP. I mean, you're you're not a slouch in doing that. So, I mean, we're we're not gonna blame Joe Montana for being on the Forty ers We're not gonna blame Terry Bradshaw for being on the Steelers. So we can't blame Tom Brady for being on the Patriots. Yeah, it's just how it is. Can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else about Brady or Belichick, guys? When will they lose? <laughs> <laughs> Could be this week, man. We'll see. Um, but what teams are, uh, you know, the season is early, still early, but uh, what team is uh, catching you guys out the most um, in this young season? 
Um, I, I, I would probably go with the Denver Broncos. That defense still looks stout. Uh, but Trevor Simeon's managing well. He's he's not looking fantastic. Granted, he just had a really good week. But, uh, you know, I think he's looked good enough. C.J. Anderson's having a bounce-back year. He looked almost irrelevant last year. And he's looking really good so far this year. Uh, Demarius Thomas is still reliable hands. Emmanuel Sanders is still reliable hands. Um, I, I didn't expect them to be undefeated at this point. But I think Trevor Simeon, and where where I think it differs from Carson Wentz, is once we learned Sam Bradford was being traded, and and I'm still very impressed by the by the Philadelphia Eagles. Their defense looks pretty good. Wes is impre- Wentz is impressive, but the thing is, we expected Wentz to be the starter, and being the second overall pick, you're expected to be good. Yeah. With Trevor Simeon, he was on nobody's radar until it was announced that he's in consideration. Uh, so he really came out of nowhere. Uh, he's getting some good help. Don't get me wrong, but they've beaten, I think mo- most notably beating the Carolina Panthers was a huge victory for him. Uh, you know, being able to be 3-0 and with the defense that they have and the weapons he has around him on offense, uh, I still think it's very impressive because he, he had the learning curve. He was the one who had to step in and be used to being an NFL starter. Everybody else had the experience. He was the one lacking. And uh, I think that's what makes Denver so impressive for me is the fact that Trevor Simeon has stepped in being a game manager. He's not going to blow teams out of the water, but he he has definitely done what it takes to be off to the start that Denver needed. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's uh, Definitely a, a good pick for a team that's been impressive. Uh, I mean, it's good that that defense is still ridiculously good, uh, but he's he stepped up and been serviceable. I, I took my cracks at Simeon at the start of the year. We all did. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, but uh, I actually, I am actually very impressed with the Eagles. Uh, and me too. I know uh, Wentz is a was a top pick, but nobody was really impressed with this quarterback class. So mm-hmm. he's he's come out and he's been like not just like serviceable as a rookie quarterback. He's been good. Yeah. And uh, Philadelphia defense that I thought was going to be not very good, they've stepped up as well. And you yeah. know, three and O leading the NFC East. Uh, a division that looks like is is better than most people thought it was, was going to be oh, yeah. as well. So yeah. that that adds more to it for me. Yeah, and and I would say with Carson Wentz, he's throwing like twenty twenty five yard fade routes to the opposite sideline. Like mm-hmm. he he's throwing back shoulder passes <laughs> that a lot of veterans still can't make. I mean, he he looks like he's going to shape up to be the future for the Eagles. Uh, this is for me, man. I got to give props to uh, when it's due. A uh, team that uh, I'm kind of surprised with is uh, Minnesota. Oh, uh, yeah. They've been dealing with uh, some issues so far this year, just to say, you know, Bridgewater. Yeah, you know, um, he's he's been injured. 
Uh, they go in there, they get Bradford in to help fill in the role for them. They uh, still, you know, manage to win. Uh, then you have AP. He's basically, yeah, out for the year, and they still managed to pull out a win um, last week. So this team, man, they've, they've been overcoming that adversity so far this um, season. You know, uh, like I said, the season is still young. Uh, we still got a lot of football to see, but just so far, um, that team's just been overcoming uh, uh, whatever's been thrown at their way. Um, you know, you guys kind of brought up uh, Winston and Eagles. They've been doing this thing, their thing too. But I'm um, just kind of shocked with uh, Carolina and um, Arizona so far this year. They're one and two. Um, Carolina did lose to Minnesota. I was just um, talking about them. Um, but, you know, just kind of shocked that they're starting the season off uh, just in the fashion that they're, they are right now. So those just kind of teams, I'm kind of like, just like, wow, you know, I expected a little bit better uh, from them. But just overall, you know, Minnesota, they just, you want to talk about adversity um, and overcoming it. That team has just been rolling with, the, taking the punches, just rolling with the flow and just overcoming uh, week after week. So got to give them their props. Yeah. Uh, now you guys ready for the pickums? Yep. All right. So, uh, I was, uh, 0 for 7, uh, last week. And I, like I said, I went 5 for 5 again. So me and Ty, we're tied right now 5 for 12. And Darnell, uh, this idiot, he's right behind us 4 for 12. So, <laughs> step your game up, man. Oh, man. This dude is all of a sudden Copernicus. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, you know, we got to get him out the way with uh, Detroit versus Chicago. Uh, Detroit, they have a minus three lead for the um, spread um, in this game. Who do you guys have? Uh, give me the Lions. I think they'll control this one. Chicago just doesn't have enough on offense or on defense. Uh, I'll take the Lions to win this one pretty controlled. Uh, 34, 34, 14. Okay. Garbage time touchdowns from Chicago as well. All right. What would you say the spread was on this one? Uh, minus three, uh, Detroit. Wow. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a game Detroit should win. Uh, a lot of the times, the games they should win, they lose. Yeah. Uh, but I am going to go with Detroit. I mean, everything's in their favor. Chicago has a – well, I guess there's a possibility Cutler could be back, but they could be playing once again with a backup quarterback and running back. Uh, so I'll go with Detroit to win this one uh, 27-17. All right, I'm going to go against Detroit, man. I just think they're going to just have their same old Lions moments. Um, I don't know. I think this game is going to be rough for them. It's going to be a pretty um, close game, but I just think Detroit, they're just going to find a way to just give the game away, even though they should win this game. So uh, I'm going to go with Chicago. I do have it being close, so I'm going to go with Chicago winning 23-20. Um, to 20. And up next, we have Kansas City versus Pittsburgh. Um, Kansas City does have a minus five uh, lead uh, for the spread. Oh. 
I think I'm gonna oh, roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think I'm gonna roll with the underdog on this one as well. Uh, well, not as well, uh, but I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh. They played terrible last week, uh, but they have a bright spot of their star running back coming back. Yeah. So I think that might give them a little offensive pick me up. So I am going to go with Pittsburgh winning this one. 34-27. All right. Yeah. A, a reason this one's so hard for me to pick is because Pittsburgh is coming off a terrible offensive performance, while Kansas City's coming off of a great defensive performance. So it's like, are we going to see a repeat, or are we going to see polar opposites? Um, and that and that's kind of tough for me to judge. I'm going to go Pittsburgh here. I think Darnell kind of gave the key factor away in Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think he's going to be able to. No, I'm not saying D'Angelo Williams hasn't done well because he has done really well filling in. He did the same last year, uh, but I think Le'Veon Bell just gives them a little more. Um, I, I'm going to take Pittsburgh in a close one, uh, 27-24. All right. I'm going to go with Kansas City on this one. Um, you know, like I said last week, they're boring, they're a boring team, but they just get it done. Um, their defense has been playing well, uh, kind of like what you just mentioned, Tyler. Um, Pittsburgh, they do have a uh, bill coming back. Um, I just think he's going to be a little bit rusty, um, coming into, uh, his first uh his first game of the season you know with the suspension and everything uh but once he gets going i think he's going to be a beast and be in uh tip-top shape um just like he was uh playing you know before everything uh suspensions and everything started to uh, get to him so um i think he's going to be playing great i just think not this game uh, i just think he still needs to uh, loosen up and still get a feel for the team out there so i'm going to go with kansas city i think their defense is going to step it up and get uh, that awesome offense in pittsburgh so i do have kansas city winning this one 24 to 17 um up next we have Carolina versus Atlanta. Uh, Carolina, they have a uh, minus three lead with the spread. Yeah, I think we get a bounce back week here from Carolina. Uh, Atlanta coming off of a great offensive performance behind both running backs, Tevin Coleman and Devontae Freeman. But I think Carolina just presents a little more to deal with, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm going to take Carolina in a bounce back week for them. I think they're going to look better this week. Uh, Cam Newton's going to do his thing here. Uh, Atlanta isn't exactly known for their defense, so I think Cam Newton's going to have a field day. Uh, I'll take Carolina 35-27. to 27. All right. I'm going with Carolina as well. I uh, think they this is a big one for them that they need it. Uh, division game. Uh, so I think they come in focused on this one. Uh, it'll be a better defense that Atlanta is facing. You know, they got the defense that everybody can put up points on in New Orleans. So I'm going to go with Carolina in this one, 28-23. All right. I'm going to go with Atlanta um, in this one. Uh, you know, they've been playing rough. 
you know, uh, last year, I think this could be the time uh, where it starts to turn it around. So um, I just think this is going to be a game where I think Carolina's truly going to miss Norman. Um, I think they're going to connect a lot uh, with the ball uh, passing, uh, especially deep. I think Julio, um, he's going to have a uh, good performance. And I think they're just kind of a little confident um, heading into this game just with that last uh uh, like last minute uh, when they had against Carolina um, last year. So just think Atlanta, I think they're going to be confident. They're playing at home. And uh, like I said, I think this is going to be a game where Carolina's really going to miss um, Norman. So going to go with Atlanta in this one. I got them winning 27 to 20. And last but not least, Buffalo versus the Patriots. Um, well, the Patriots go 4-0 without Brady. Uh, the Patriots, they have a minus 4.5 lead uh, for the spread in this game. Yeah, I think they go 4-0. Uh, I think it doesn't matter who starts the quarterback now. Uh, I think LeGarrette blunt has been offering a lot, and I think we're going to see a lot of him again. Um, someone who is going to play a big role moving forward for New England is going to be Rob Gronkowski. We saw him on the field for 14 snaps last week and only one target. So I think he's going to get rolling this week. I think he'll find the end zone. Uh, and then he'll be all set to go for when Tom Brady's back. And then I think since they play Cleveland, that'll be a nice little warm up for Tom Brady week five. But yeah, I'm going to take new England here in a closer game. Uh, I'm going to take them 27 to Seventeen. All right. Yeah, they made me look stupid last year or last week. So <laughs> I'm not picking against them again. New England. Uh, yeah, like I said, I, doesn't matter who's that quarterback. They'll they'll probably have a decent game. Like they'll they can pull somebody out of the crowd and they'll throw for 150 and complete 70. <laughs> so so yeah, give me New England. Uh, Rex Ryan will have something dialed up to try to keep the game close, but still give me New England 21-17. All righty. I have New England winning this one, too. I think this is going to be a game where, you know, Brady and the boys can uh, laugh um, at the commissioner after this game. So they went 4-0 with the whole, you know, deflate gate issue and everything. Um, you know, Rex is going to bring it, as always, uh, like when he wants to play, uh, when he goes against the Patriots, uh, it's on his side. Let's go full uh, head of steam, Adam. But I do think, you know, just with Belichick, uh, these guys are getting confident, more and more confident after um, each game. Like you said, Darnell, you know, they could put, you know, a dog in there, you know, do an airbud or something, you know, at a quarterback, and they'll do find a way to win. So these guys, um, they're just finding a way to win. So I'm just going to roll with them again this week. Um, I do have the Patriots winning. Uh, 27 to 17 against Buffalo. All right. Now that closes it up, guys. Um, just anything you'd like to add, uh, you know, whether NFL, NCAA, basketball, volleyball, whatever, anything. <laughs> no. All right. What about you, Darnell? I'm all good. All right. Uh, this is me. You know, we lost uh, some talent. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the show um, this week, you know, with whole Arna Palmer and uh, Jose Fernandez. I believe I said his uh, name right. Um, 
just lost some talent uh, this week. Uh, guy that had played a few huge role in uh, the golfing world, um, and you know, a guy that was just making his name um, in the um, MLB. So, to their families, you know, everybody else out there that's you know grieving over loved ones and everything like that, heart goes out to y'all. Um, and you know, as always, guys, appreciate you for listening to the show. Um, you can check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, Podcast.com. Uh, like I said, just searches will appear, um, should appear, um, through after you enter in your search bar. So as always guys, thanks for listening. Take care.